New York Attorney General Letitia James is piling on to former President Trump's already enormous legal woes, making public new estimates of just how much she and her office are accusing Trump of inflating his net worth ahead of his October civil fraud trial. Now, in the court filing made public yesterday, she alleges Trump and allies, quote, employed a variety of deceptive schemes to grossly inflate values for many of Trump's assets, from anywhere between roughly $800 million to more than $2 billion. Now, it's worth noting, Trump's team responded in filings Wednesday that the whole case should be thrown out. James, meanwhile, is asking a judge to rule on it without a trial because of the overwhelming evidence her office says it has presented. Now, this is also interesting. Back in April, Trump actually sat down with James's office for a seven-hour deposition, which was also unsealed yesterday. Now, it shows him putting up a hodgepodge of defenses. First, he never thought his financial statements would be taken seriously. He said he prepared the statements, quote, just for himself to see a list of properties. Next, it wasn't actually him. It was his son, Eric. Trump says his son has taken over control of the business in recent years, but also added that he does still have say on major final decisions. Whatever. Trump says he has been hands-off since launching his campaign in 2015, and his kids took over when he assumed office in 2017. But James's suit dates back to 2011. And in 2014, the year before he announced his White House bid, James alleges he inflated his net worth by up to $2.23 billion. But Trump argued that James's office underestimated his worth because they overlooked how valuable his brand is. If that were reflected, he said you could double or even triple his financial statements. James' allegations continue through 2021, including Trump's four years in the White House. During those years, however, Trump says he was too busy to commit fraud, preoccupied with what he calls the most important job in the world, quote, saving millions of lives, and also saying he prevented a nuclear holocaust with North Korea. Now, asked whether the Trump Organization has any protocols to make sure it complies with the law, Trump said that is why they have lawyers and that he has a reputation for being, quote, the most honest person in the world. Sarah? Alrighty then. Joining us now, Semaphore politics reporter Shelby Talcott, Washington Post political video reporter Joyce Coe. Thank you for returning. We weren't too terrible to you. And my homie, and also <laughs> a senior legal analyst, Ellie Honig. Ellie, I want that as my Chiron. You're home, my homie. Please. I think it would be a good one for you. Um, let's start with um, what is happening today with Meadows. Um, give us some sense of, I feel like all of these cases, you've got several people now saying, we want our trial fast in Georgia. Yes. How in the world are the, is this going to happen? How are they going to do it? There's so many moving parts. There's 19 defendants in the Fulton County case. Mark Meadows is trying to get his case moved over from state court where he was charged over into federal court. And the touchstone there is going to be, was he acting within his official job as White House Chief of Staff or outside his job? Now, the judge, the federal judge who's deciding this issue, sort of did a favor for the parties. He said, here's the key issue that I'm stuck on, and the parties have to submit their briefs on this today. He said, what if I find that some of his acts were inside the lines, some of his acts were outside the lines, then do I take the case or not? And the answer is, we don't know. This is why we're in unprecedented ground. And so the judge is going to have to read the briefs decide who made the better argument. I'm sure Fonnie Willis's office will say, if you're outside the lines right. with some of it, you're outside the lines. I'm sure Meadows is going to say, if some of it was in my job, I'm entitled to the protection. So this judge knows he's going to be appealed either way. And he's, I think, just trying to gather the best argument and, and do his best to make the right call here. Can I swing back, uh, Ellie, before we broaden it out yeah. a little bit to, uh, I worked very hard, and so did Andrew, uh, anchor producer. Mm -hmm. 
on what we just did, and you just immediately, one, I teed up an amazing <laughs> line for you. Andrew teed that up uh, with great writing, and you just kind of walked away from it. Do tell. Uh, I want to talk about Mark Meadows. No and I'm like, yo, like, what's the, all. like, you called I, Ellie your homie, and why did I never call me your homie? Th that's true. Um, should I focus you instead of just airing grievances? Perhaps. <laughs> on, on the actual substance of what we saw, yes. you, you forget that this even exists. I, literally, when the news was coming out yesterday, I was sitting there going, oh, oh, right, yes, that, that was a thing. Uh, and there was a deposition <laughs> back in April, read, read the deposition on the substance, yeah. what is there? Should people be looking at that as another significant potential issue, even though it's civil? Yeah, this is a big case. It's a big civil case involving hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's also the fifth most important case right. Trump is facing right now after the four criminal cases. That deposition is really interesting. I mean, Trump argues uh, because of the Trump name, I could have even claimed it was double or triple the value. There's no question he inflated the assets. But the problem with the case is no one really got defrauded because the banks on the other end, the banks who were making those loans, they decided with, after doing their own diligence, we're going to make these loans. And they got repaid with interest, so they made profits. That's why I think, by the way, it wasn't charged criminally. So technically, is it a fraud? Yes. But you don't really have a victim, which makes it less appealing as a, a criminal case. I just wanted to point out, just oh boy, since we you go. were on a rant, yeah. um, that Ellie said this is the fifth most important case, so. Yeah, but you, you were teed up with a great line. I'm just saying, What's the, the fifth. I decided to go with one of the, up the, vibe the higher here. ones. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm gonna let you ask the next question since this is your show, you, you um, do you. Shelby, it's been a, a couple weeks since we've spoken. You know, I think there's been a couple indictments <laughs> since we've spoken to some degree uh, as well. You add this, uh, the civil case on as well, which we know has been ongoing. When you talk to folks inside the campaign right now, when they're looking at kind of the political atmosphere and dynamics going forward, um, what stands out to them? What do they view as the biggest issues they might have? Well, I think, I think their main thing is that there are all of these cases. And so the biggest issue for the presidential campaign from a campaigning perspective is how do we get through all of these cases and also run our 2024 presidential run. It's almost impossible. And, you know, this this case alone, he sat for seven hours one day. That takes you off the trail for an entire day. Now, the thing that works in Trump's favor that aides have noted to me throughout this whole process is he was already the president. And so he does have a much more limited campaign schedule compared to the other candidates. But is not a huge problem. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but on the flip side, that's where the other candidates see their opportunity. I mean, all of these other candidates are literally living in Iowa at this yep. point, essentially. And that's where they see their, their opportunity. And so if things start to get close as we head into the Iowa caucuses and Trump decides, well, I actually do want to be on the ground more, that's going to be a major problem if he's also dealing with two or three active trials. Yeah, that actually, <laughs> I, I want to just sort of quickly get to you, um, Ellie. Um, when you look at what the judge has said in the D.C. case, one of the top five um, most important <laughs> cases, um, she has been very clear that she doesn't care about the political campaign. She says what is important is that case. Is that each and every judge? Is that what we're going to sort of see here? No, I think every judge is going to have to pick his or her spots here. But it's clear to me Judge Chutkin in D.C. intends to try this case before the election. Absolutely. She set the date for March, may slide a little bit, but count on seeing that before the election. You know, just one of the things, this got lost yesterday, we were all very focused on covering the hurricane uh, for the absolute right reasons. But uh, a couple days ago, the former president did an interview with Glenn Beck, and he said something uh, that I think may have gotten lost. Take a listen to it. You said in, in 2016, 
you know, uh, lock her up. And then when you became president, you said, we don't do that in America. That's just not the right thing to do. That's what yeah, they're well. doing. Do you regret not locking her up? And if you're president again, will you lock people up? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, the answer is you have no choice because they're doing it to us. I always had such great respect for the office of the president, the presidency. I never hit Biden as hard as I could have. You know, it, it fits into, and Shelby and I have talked about this before, it fits into a very clear campaign push on their side, right? Victimization, the weaponization of the Justice Department. But the idea of a president or presidential candidate and a former president saying, we're going to lock people up when we get into office, do you think people should take that seriously? It's interesting because this chant, lock her up, has, you know, it was popularized under Trump and right. his supporters. And when you're out there, when I'm out there covering arraignments and uh, all of these indictments, <clears throat> you're hearing that spun on its back. From and people who oppose Trump. Right. From people who oppose Trump saying lock him up. Um, so it's just a bit ironic. But, you know, one thing that the Biden administration has said as he's been in office has been to separate, you know, there's this real effort to separate himself from what's happening at the Justice Department. Um, and so in that bit, I haven't listened to that full interview, but in that bit of sound that we heard from Trump um, suggesting that he wouldn't separate himself from the Justice Department and that it would be politicized is, you know, it's concerning. Things that Trump says, it's not like he's just talking to talk. I mean, he is, he really gives you a blunt look inside of what, you know, inside his head and what he is really thinking. Um, so, I mean, not great. <laughs> that, that is a good way to put it. Um, Shelby, I just want to just quickly lastly ask you, um, whether you think this is going to be revenge politics at its most extreme, um, if Donald Trump were to get into the presidency or as he is working towards that, do you think this is going to turn into just a revenge tour once, uh, as he as he goes along the trail? Well, I think he's, as you just said, he's publicly alluded. It's not it's not like he he's known for subtlety. Yeah, <laughs> keeping secrets. He says what he, he intends to do, yeah. um, and so so I think by that measure, he does want some sort of revenge, and and also he's using all of these cases as we've talked about a lot to sort of bring people to his side and to get people to say, yeah, listen, the DOJ is politicized and and this is a political effort against me. And so that's, again, part of how he intends to try to win the presidency. Yeah. Um, was that a Mad Men reference? The not great Bob line <laughs> you picked up there? A little bit of that? I like that. that was, I like that. It's that coming to the regular public discourse. That yeah, no, but I appreciate I like its origins it, yeah. and your use of it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We Thank appreciate it as always. Thank you.